Hello, Hickson. I'm Arctic, and I'm here to celebrate the birthdays of the week. On Monday, happy birthday to Lillian B. and Joseph H. On Tuesday, we have no birthdays. On Wednesday, happy birthday to Josephine B., Cora H., Aiden U., and Maribel W. On Thursday, happy birthday to Ivy C. and Scarlett P. On Friday, happy birthday to Lily J. and Ember W. On Saturday, happy birthday to Alexandria R., and we have no birthdays on Sunday. Hello, my name is Ethan Sanders, and I just joined iReporting. I am telling stories for the podcast. They are called story snippets, which are stories that I divide into different parts, stretching the story over out over the course of about a month. Don't tell me how corny the name is, because it's the title. Anyway, here's my first episode of Story Snippets. Exploring the Old Asylum, by Ethan Sanders, me, and Michael Blessing. No, it wasn't too long ago, this event. It wasn't good at all. Never will it be again. My name is Jacob Rockweller, and this is my story of my attempt to rob the old asylum. Back in 1890, a man named Dr. Carnes founded a prison. In 1928, it was turned into an asylum, a home for the violent, the deadly, the ones who went corrupt. In 1944, the place's hot water was being overrun because many people went insane after the war. A worker downstairs who inspected the hot water noticed a strange noise from inside. He saw the workers below him in a deeper lair was, were overheated and screaming. Then, the explosion. The place exploded, or at least the downstairs did. The building sank lower into the ground and the place caught fire. Nobody lived to tell the tale. Note, for scientific reasons, they found out why the building exploded with new technologies. Well, there's your backstory. Now, the real story. It was the middle of January 2002, a perfect, a perfect time to rob an asylum. Me and my group, Chet and Bailey, were going to break into the prison bar windows. I took my platinum crowbar I stole recently from my arch enemy. He was an idiot about it, so I hit him square in the head, and he was dragged into prison. Quick note for me, I don't do cussing. I took the bars and bent them into a curve, where they were parallel no longer. My crew and I crawled inside, with me going last. We took out our notebooks and wrote, and wrote down the cell number in it to track where the exit is. Cell number 103. We charted the building's map so that we could know where we set stuff down. Every nook and cranny mapped. Everything. You might be wondering what we are after. A safe collection of safes containing the workers' pay collections. Our group only needed three, so that's $5,000 for each of us, aka $15,000 in total. We turned to a corner and found a note in blood on the wall. We weren't so surprised. It is an asylum after all, and some absolutely insane people come into this place, or at least used to. We found the safes in a room with a metal locked door. Reason we got in? No, we didn't break down the door. The door was already unlocked so the lock must have been blown off in the explosion. I walked inside, the door creaked and shut. We were semi-surprised, of course. Ugh, groaned Chet. I needs to go. Be right back. 
He walked over to the left of us, walking into the bathroom. Two seconds later, we were blinded, almost like the lights turned on. Another two seconds later, we found they did. Ah! Screamed someone or something. I found that cry was way familiar. It was Chet. We scrambled into the bathroom on the left, and we saw Chet on the floor, surrounded by a pool of red liquid blood. The scariest thing was his necklace stitched up. What was scary was Chet was dead, and we were not alone. Me and Bailey decided it was time to go, after we grabbed $10,000 in the safes. I saw Bailey open a safe, then I heard her confused. It was empty. Dang. I looked in my safe. I saw a bit of red indicating there were rubies. I screamed as this in disgust as organs, eyeballs, guts, liver, and a heart poured out. All in a never-ending filling of blood. I grabbed Bailey and ran. She stopped. What the heck, dude? We were going to reach our fortune, said Bailey. And I stopped beside her. Bailey, face it. I opened a safe and found guts and all that jazz. We saw Chet's own dead body on the floor, neck slit and stitched dead. We saw a warning note in blood. Hello, my name is Ethan Sanders, and I just joined iReporting. I am telling stories for the podcast. They are called story snippets, which are stories that I divide into different parts, stretching the story over out over the course of about a month. Don't tell me how corny the name is, because it's the title. Anyway, here's my first episode of Story Snippets. Exploring the Old Asylum, by Ethan Sanders, me, and Michael Blessing. No, it wasn't too long ago, this event. It wasn't good at all. Never will it be again. My name is Jacob Rockweller, and this is my story of my attempt to rob the Old Asylum. Back in 1890, a man named Dr. Carnes founded a prison. In 1928, it was turned into an asylum, a home for the violent, the deadly, the ones who went corrupt. In 1944, the place's hot water was being overrun because many people went insane after the war. A worker downstairs who inspected the hot water noticed a strange noise from inside. He saw the workers below him in a deeper lair. Was, were overheated and screaming. Then, the explosion. The place exploded, or at least the downstairs did. The building sank lower into the ground and the place caught fire. Nobody lived to tell the tale. Note, for scientific reasons, they found out why the building exploded with new technologies. Well, there's your backstory. Now, the real story. It was the middle of January, 2002, a perfect, a perfect time to rob an asylum. Me and my group, Chet and Bailey, were going to break into the prison bar windows. I took my platinum crowbar I stole recently from my arch enemy. He was an idiot about it, so I hit him square in the head, and he was dragged into prison. Quick note for me, I don't do cussing. I took the bars and bent them into a curve, where they were parallel no longer. My crew and I crawled inside with me going last. We took out our notebooks and wrote down the cell number in it to track where the exit is. Cell number 103. 
we charted the building's map so that we can know where we set stuff down. Every nook and cranny mapped. Everything. You might be wondering what we are after. A safe collection of safes containing the workers' pay collections. Our group only needed three, so that's $5,000 for each of us, aka $15,000 in total. We turned to a corner and found a note in blood on the wall. We weren't so surprised. It is an asylum after all, and some absolutely insane people come into this place, or at least used to. We found the safes in a room with a metal locked door. Reason we got in? No, we didn't break down the door. The door was already unlocked, so the lock must have been blown off in the explosion. I walked inside, the door creaked and shut. We were semi-surprised, of course. Ugh, groaned Chet. I needs to go. Be right back. He walked over to the left of us, walking into the bathroom. Two seconds later, we were blinded, almost like the lights turned on. Another two seconds later, we found they did. Ah! Screamed someone, or something. I found that cry was way familiar. It was Chet. We scrambled into the bathroom on the left, and we saw Chet on the floor, surrounded by a pool of red liquid blood. The scariest thing was his necklace stitched up. What was scary was Chet was dead, and we were not alone. Me and Bailey decided it was time to go, after we grabbed $10,000 in the safes. I saw Bailey open a safe, then I heard her confused. It was empty. Dang. I looked in my safe. I saw a bit of red indicating there were rubies. I screamed as this in disgust as organs, eyeballs, guts, liver, and a heart poured out. All in a never-ending filling of blood. I grabbed Bailey and ran. She stopped. What the heck, dude? You were going to reach our fortune, said Bailey. And I stopped beside her. Bailey, face it. I opened a safe and found guts. And all that jazz. We saw Chet's own dead body on the floor, neck slit and stitched dead. We saw a warning note in blood. Tragedy struck the United States. The biggest shooting in U.S. history took place on October 1st. At the time of this recording, there were 59 reported dead and over 500 injured. This was an act of tyranny and evil, and I am tired of the political parties playing the blame game. Do not focus on the other party or who caused it or whose fault it is. Focus on the people and the people who got affected. Those people. We will now have 20 seconds of silence for the victims. On a more positive note, Trump made an absolutely fantastic speech that moved me and I am sure many other Americans. It was a great speech that was a gem. Even CNN, a primarily Democratic news network, praised it, calling it pitch perfect. I know that if you are listening to this, you are probably wanting a political joke or two, but this is a sad time for America and a sad time for jokes, so come back next week if you want to listen to some political comedy.
Hey, it's Fifi, your book extraordinaire. Today, I'll be reviewing A Shadow Bright and Burning by Jessica Clues. The ancients have been terrorizing London for 15 years, but the prophesied spawn, a female sorcerer, is the only one who can defeat them. Henrietta Howell is the prophesied one. Or is she? I found this book was unputdownable, if that's a word, taking a complete turn from the prophesied one trope. I also found it extremely amazing that the magic, instead of just having an underground world, resides with the setting of Victorian London. Henrietta was also a protagonist I feel we don't get enough in YA. She wasn't extremely artistic or a genius, but she was headstrong and still stood for something, protecting her own hide and those she loves. I also found it interesting that she didn't feel guilty about lying, but was more worried about being discovered. My only complaint was that as much as I enjoyed Henrietta, I didn't think her feelings were well enough expressed, and I wasn't as a reader feeling them along with her. Didn't know, that means the book was moveless. Come back next time to listen to me review the sequel, uh, A Poison, Dark, and Drowning. This weekend, on October 1st, there was a massacre in Las Vegas. Stephen Paddock shot Route 91 Music Festival from across the street on the 32nd floor of a hotel. Paddock smashed through the window and shot the crowd, killing 59 and injuring 515. Paddock then shot himself before the SWAT team entered his hotel room. The Las Vegas massacre is now the largest shooting in the U.S. history. I hope you enjoyed the third episode of Hickson Hub On Air, the weekly podcast speed by our reporters at Hickson Middle School in Webster Grove, Missouri. Be sure to like our station here on Anchor, subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcasting app, and check out the website at bit.ly forward slash Hickson Hub. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Hickson Hub. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat at Hickson Hub.